0: Hi, this is Pastor Rick. Today, I want to share my heart with you about an important topic that really speaks to my heart. It's about change. I've been a pastor for a very long time, and I have um, seen a lot of people get stuck in places that I don't believe God wanted them to get stuck in. And I wanted to today bring a message to you, uh, and I have to bring it to you in this format because. Uh, I can only do a small part of this, and I have to have an elder come and help me. And so you'll see how that works in just a minute. But I wanted to share with you my thoughts about change. And so if you can just give me a few minutes of your time, and let me just share with you some of my thoughts. And, and it starts with uh, the thought that in order for a person to get to the place they want to be in their life, they have to have courageous conversations, and that's what we've been talking about all year long. But once you talk, at some point, you have to change. At some point, you, you just can't stay where you are. You have to sit back and say, okay, I've talked, and I've talked, and I've talked. Now I need to change. The question is, how do you change? How, how, do, you, how do you change? I mean, when you, you're, you've been one way for so long, how in the world does it work? What, what do you do to change? I think the first thing you do is you research what you want to change. And that's what we see in a study. I want you to turn to John chapter 3, and I want to show you a text that I think is a starting point for change. A guy named Nicodemus who was an incredible leader. It was a guy that I put a lot of things in your notes that you can read on your own later on about this guy and how he was incredible, and he had an incredible friend They have Joseph of Arimathea, which I'll mention more in a minute. But what I want you to focus in on is Jesus is um, approached by this guy. He comes at night. And let me just read the story for you. Just listen to this exchange. It's really amazing. And remember, Nicodemus is a leader, a Jewish leader, a lot of education, and he comes to Christ. Here's what he says in chapter 3 of John, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night. This is a guy who doesn't want to get a lot of attention. Comes at night and said to him, Rabbi, notice the language, he's honoring him. We know that you are a teacher who come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. So he steps into the conversation saying, you know, I am, I'm impressed. I'm impressed with what you do. I'm impressed with your presentation. And nobody could do this unless God was with him. And so in this moment, there is this exchange. And this exchange becomes incredibly um, insightful. This, This change of tone in this guy. I mean, from the rest of the Pharisees, this is a big change of tone. They hated Jesus. They they were looking for ways to kill him. It was absolutely horrific. And so what's really phenomenal is in the midst of this conversation, Jesus is going to give him some advice. And he's going to say, let me show you how to change. But I want you to notice it all starts with research. John, Matthew 7 and 7 says, seek, ask, and not. There's something about coming to God and asking, have you researched the changes you need to make? Have you talked to people that can help you find ways to change? There is there is this assumption that change would just fall on us, that we're going to end up knowing what to change and what to do because we just exist. No, it's not like that. You're not going to learn how to manage your money better change your financial situation, change your life, unless you're willing to go and ask. He went to Jesus and he asked him. He went to Jesus and said, how can you do all of this? Tell, tell me. He, there's a sense of whatever it is you're doing, I need to find out about this because on, you can only do this if, if God's with you. Now, now, what's really special is who he is. He's in the Marines of religion. He's a Pharisee. Highly respected, knowledgeable people. But not only that, this is a guy who is the teacher. He's the guy you go to Bible study with. This is the guy. He's the bishop. He's the leader guy. And all of a sudden, he's coming to Jesus because something's begun to change. He's curious. And so he's so curious, he researches. When's the last time you researched? When's the last time you asked anybody? Well, after you ask this question, what happens is amazing. The Lord's answer is phenomenal. (laughs) The answer is amazing. Here's the answer. You ready? The answer is pretty simple. It goes like this. Nicodemus, this is how change works. Let me give you the details. It's going to require something of you. And maybe it's comfortable and maybe it's not. First of all, it's going to require that you start new. If you really want to change, you want to know how I'm doing what I'm doing, you want to understand what's going on in my life, you're going to have to become like a newborn baby. Now, that's a big statement because this is a big leader. He's way up here. In order for you to catch on to what I'm doing, you're going to have to be born again. Here's what he said in John 3. and three. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot this is important, cannot see. U- unless you start over again, unless you become like a baby and allow me to teach you, you're never going to see the kingdom. Now, this is important because the issue is you can't see unless you start over again. Now, that's a big step back for the guy who's the leader, the pastor, the bishop, the guy in church. He comes to Jesus tonight, and Jesus says, let's start over again. You've got to change. You gotta let God take you back to square one, first base. You know, for some of you in your life, that's exactly what needs to happen if you're going to change. If you're going to change, you cannot start where I'm a grown person, I know everything, I've been, I got a PhD. You gotta say, Lord, I need, I need to start over again. I need to go back to first base, and and then when you do, I promise you the next thing will happen is you'll have questions. I love, I love, I love Nicodemus' response. He says, "How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born?" He, I love the fact that he's honest about where he is. In order to teach, one of the rules of teaching is you must you must start where the student is, not where you are. The student is, only knows timetables; that's where you start. If the student doesn't know he doesn't know anything about decimals, you can't start there you have to start with the student. Is. and so what's really powerful is Jesus basically says sir what's your question and the question is how can a man be born again how can a man go in his womb his mother's womb a second time how, is that? how does how does this work this is an honest moment he says i'm con- I, I I don't get it when you do research you want to change if you really mean that and you dig in deep enough, you're going to run into something you don't understand. You're trying to fix your marriage. You're trying to fix something in your finances. As you research, change. As you engage, you're going to run into areas where you you don't know. And if you're a newborn baby, that's highly possible. If you're, if you're new at this, it's highly possible. You may not know. Now, The comeback that Jesus gives him is profound. He basically says, I'm going to read the verse in a minute, but he basically says, it's like the wind that hits you. It's it's a work that God does in your life that you can't always figure out. But listen, listen to how he says it. And he says, there's a public side to this, and there's a private side to this. There's a spiritual side. And he's he's showing Nicodemus how change works. Here's what he says. First of all, he says, and this is in John chapter 3, verse 5. Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, automatically in the mind of of Nicodemus, the whole idea of water would stand out. He would understand from a birth standpoint you know mother's the breaking of the water and the baby coming he, that's one image in his mind the other image would be baptism which he understood was was something that had a spiritual sense of dedication to it the whole purification process in the temple um, the, the, there's clear a the clear vision in his mind that there is something that that you do and participate in the water part of it then there's something that's hidden the spiritual part of this And then he goes on and says this. He says in verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do do not marvel that I say you must be born again. The wind blows. This is important. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it. He says it's kind of like the wind. When change comes in your life, when the Spirit of God brings change in your life, it starts like a wind blowing in, and the sound comes in. You cannot tell from where it came. You can't quite figure out all the details. So you want change in your life, but you want to know all the d- details. He says, no, no. When it comes, it comes, and you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. You don't even know where it's taking you. It comes, and, and it comes from the south, swings left. You don't know. All you do is feel it. And then he says, so is everyone who's born of the Spirit. When the Spirit is free to work in your life, when you allow him to start you over again, he says, here's what's going to happen, Nicodemus. And these are all terms that Nicodemus is kind of familiar with. He's not totally clear. But he says, Nicodemus, great leader, who's who's trying to find a way to change, who's come to me at night, it's a work of the Spirit. And so it's a breath of God on your life. It's that, it's that breath of God. And that's what spirit meant. He knew what the word meant. He knew what Numa meant. He understood it. He understood it, it had to do with breath. It's, it's God breathing on you. Change comes when God breathes on you. But the problem is he just can't, he, he can't get everyone he breathes on to change. Some I mean, of you have been in church all your life. You've been around church, Bibles, song, gospel music all your life. Here's the question. Why haven't you changed? You've had a lot of conversations, but you haven't changed. What happened? Let me tell you what happened. The next thing, the one thing that makes change fit hasn't happened in your life. Pastor Rick, what is that? Well, it's the one thing I can't force on you. It's the one thing I can't make you do. And it's something that only you can decide. No, not me. Only you. Nicodemus was told you got to start over and you got to start like a brand new baby, sir. And you've got to be open, not to a fleshly work or to a carnal work uh, in your life, but a spiritual breath, a flow in your life that will come when you're open. It will come and it will hit you all of a sudden and you'll know, I I, I don't want to do that anymore. There's that willingness to be a a young person again. Now let me just say this and and I'll, I'll share this one more thing you need. In order for you... To get to the place God has for you, something has to change in your life. Nicodemus ends up in a place that's amazing. So he eventually becomes this friend of a guy named Joseph of Arimathea. And I put all this in your notes and you can read through it on your own. But in this this powerful relationship between Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, these are the guys who eventually go and get the body of Jesus. These are the guys who in John 19, verse 38, they go and get the body of Jesus. These are the guys, these are the guys who band together and they put Jesus, after he dies, into the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, who was a rich guy. And as I say, more in in your notes, you can read that I left you to, to read, but I want you to think about this. That was new for him. How does the Pharisee The people who were resistant to Jesus' message. How does does this guy, Nicodemus, and then his friend later on, Joseph of Arimathea, how do they end up in this place in John 19? How do they end up in verse 38 of John 19? Taking the body of Jesus, putting it in Joseph's tomb. How do they end up there? Something happened. The next thing that you need to make change happen in your life. And I want you to listen carefully. I have an elder coming who's going to share with you what that one thing is. The one thing that makes change really stick and work. And if you don't get this, you won't change. You'll never go back to being a newborn baby. You'll never, ever be the kind of person who reaches the potential that God has for you in your life. And it's all because you're missing this one key element. I want to tell you something, my friend. It's all about you catching on to this. So, Elder, come on up and share with them the one thing they need that can make all of this fit together.
1: You must be born again. So, who changes in the real world? The answer is those who believe. You've got to believe it. John, our scripture for this morning, John 3 and 15 says that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That word, whoever believes. it In another translation, it says, everyone who believes. You have to believe, number one, that he is. The scripture said, They that come to God must first believe that he is and that he is reward of them that diligently seek him. So the first thing we have to just believe that God really is there, that he really did create the world with his word. We have to believe first that he is. Then we have to believe on Jesus, his only begotten son that he sent to to this uh, earth to save us from our sin. We have to believe that Jesus died and that he rose again, and that he lives now, forevermore. We have to believe those things in order for us to engage God, in order for us to engage that everlasting change, that change that's going to bring us to eternal life, the life, the eternal life that's going to begin the moment you believe. Amen? So who does change touches? It touches those who believe. The change that you want, but you can't quite seem to get there. There are things in our lives that we can, there are some things we can change, and we always have to participate. We always have to make the first step. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if any man hear me, he has to, you have to open the door. There is something that you have to do. But there's a part that God plays, that the blood of Jesus that has washed away our sins, we have to believe that his blood was given for the remission of my sin. That while I was yet in in sin, while I was yet in the club, while I wasn't even thinking about him, that Christ died for me. This change you will experience will be a lasting change. So I'll share one of my little changes. When I, um, it was Good Friday, 1974. I said to God, I was tired of my life. Has anybody ever gotten tired of their life? You just live, Pastor Rick called it, living in the circle. I go to work. I come home. I do the house. I do the kids. And then for me, I went to the club several nights a week. Just going around in a circle and I said there has got to be more to life than this this just can't be it all I'm made to do is pay bills clean the house and go to work it's got to be more to life than this I got in a place where I was so discouraged and so down low down in a low place that I laid down my head on my bed one night and I said on Good Friday 1974. Now, let me just say I had some little habits going on. Like I was a heavy smoker. (laughs) I smoked two packs of cigarettes a day. It was so bad that I would wake up in the middle of the night and smoke, just sit on the side of the bed and smoke. And I couldn't cut back. I tried, and I couldn't cut it off. I felt powerless to it once I got... I even carried an ashtray in my pocketbook. Because, you know, you can go some places. it wasn't a Lord in that you couldn't smoke in public places. So they'd just say, well, you can't smoke in here because you don't have an ashtray. And I'd be like, I got one. No problem. Problem solved. But that night I laid down and I said, God, if letting you have my life is going to make it better, then you can have my life. I really thought I was going to die. I lay there waiting to die. I had been trained to pray. So I I believed in the power of prayer. And I said, God, you can have my life. And all of a sudden, a presence came in the room. I can remember getting on my knees in the bed and turning on the light real quick. Like, what What is this? The wind, Pastor, talking about blew into my life. I was alone. I was this desperate and this discouraged. But the wind blew in. And I said, what is this? I looked around, and I said these words. You heard me. You came to me. So I went on to bed, slept, woke up the next morning. And I, my ride came to take me to work. When I opened the door, they said to me, what happened to you? What happened to you? There was a visible something that blew in on me, a visible change had happened. I was riding in the car, I went in my purse for something, and there was the cigarettes. I said, do you want these? I smoked Territon, y'all remember those? (laughs) You rather fight than switch? Mm -hmm. I gave them away. Above 40 years ago, I haven't wanted one, haven't thought about it. Some change that God brings is instant. Now, not all change happens that way. Not all change happens that way. Some things you got to work on it. But for me, it was critical, obviously being a four-time cancer survivor, it was critical for me to stop then, right there. And so the wind blew in. The question now for you today is, do you believe enough to change? I believed enough to change. But here's what I had to understand. Today I'm going to share with you five things that helped me change. But I had to know, I know now that the grace of God swept into my life to help me make the changes I'm going to share today. It's not on my own that I got it done, but it was because he swept in. His grace is sufficient for me. What does that mean really? God's grace. The Bible says we are saved by faith, by grace, by grace, through faith. We are saved by grace through faith. What does that mean? That means that the power of God will will go into you and give you grace, gives you both the desire and the ability to change. That's what God's grace does. The King James Version says he gives you both the will and the do according to his good pleasure so it doesn't matter what you've done it doesn't matter how bad you think it is he said my grace is sufficient which means if you need more than he needs if you need more than i needed i needed a lot if you need a lot i've got a lot for you if you need this to change whatever the power is the power of god it can come in on you strong Or if you only need a little to make the change you want to make, it can come into you a little bit. I got sufficient grace, he said, for you. Grace meets you where you are. It equips us with courage, wisdom, and the strength to change. It's God's grace that gives us everything that we need. So then it doesn't matter. Sometimes you think, well, you don't know all, all that I did. You don't know just how bad this is. You don't know my living situation. You don't understand. So we think we need to clean up to come to God. He said, no, come to me. All you that labor in a heavy laden. it's heavy on you. It's weighing you down. The thing that you want to change, the thing that you need to change, it's weighing on you. He said, come to me. Just bring it. There's a song that says, just as I am without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me and that you bid me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Bring it all. Bring it all. Whatever it is, bring it all. Bring it to the altar. God say, I'm here to help you change. I got the grace. It's right here. I got sufficient grace to fix what's wrong with you. Amen. So here's where God's grace met me. In my beliefs, I had to believe just what I told you. I believed that I needed to change. I had to look at my life and say, you know what? This is not, mm, I need to change this. I need this to be fixed. I had to believe that my current position at that time was not my best life. And I also had to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's foolishness to the world. Y'all know that, right? It's foolish to think that this man died and then he got up out the grave and then he went up into heaven. It's foolishness to the world, but to us, it's life. It's life and it's life everlasting. My results. I was tired of getting the same results. Living in a circle, going round and round, up and down and round and round, but still ended up in the same place. What was difficult about it for me was I knew it wasn't gonna be a popular decision. I had found this new Jesus in 1974 on Good Friday. I had found this gem, this precious thing that had brought the change in my life. So I went to my, my you know, my road dogs, my ride or die crew, you know, my girls. We worked together, we parted together, we did it all together, whatever that take. <laughs> and I told them about Jesus. And, the, and, and my friend said to me, "Bibi, I'm glad that happened for you, but I don't want that. That's not something I want. So I had to walk away from some people. Everybody, when you get ready to change, y'all listen up. Everybody don't want to go. You've got to decide. That's that, that door that you open, as he stands there and knocks on your heart, everybody don't want to go. I also had to walk away. The loneliest day of my life was. I was at, I have, there was five of us that grew up in the same house with my mom. And they were getting ready for a party right over on San Antonio Drive, right over there. And they were getting ready for the party. And I helped them get, you know, cleaned up and get the food ready and, and all of that. But then and then, then I kind of realized that the party couldn't start as long as I had my little sanctified self up in the house. I had I had to leave my my blood sisters and brothers. I had to walk out of there. And I remember I can remember what I had on because to this moment. I still count it the loneliest day of my life. These are the people, this is my sister that I slept in the bed with all my life. You know, we shared the bed all my life. These are my brothers and they were all there, but I had to leave because I chose a different way. I made a different kind of decision. The wind had blown on me that hadn't blown on them yet. Thank the Lord it's blown on a couple of them now, but... <laughs> They hadn't felt the wind. I was going down my sister's driveway, and I looked up in the sky, and I said, God, I'm so lonely. It was painful, but it was a lesson to me. Sometimes you have to go alone. This is a decision to change that you have to make for yourself. You can't take people with you. They may or may not agree. Just walk away. Listen, God meant it. My friendship with my road dog, my ride-or-die girl, we're just like this today. Amen? Because now she's found the gem that I found. Amen? Amen? My decision with my family, they found Christ because they saw in me something that they wanted. Amen? My sister said, I saw you I, when I had cancer. She said, when you were laying in the bed after your mastectomy and you said, I'm getting ready to study for Bible study. She said, I thought it must be something to this. It must be something to it that you still want God after all you've been through. It must be. I'm here to tell you, you have to believe. It was my my attitude had to change. My change involved challenging my own motives. Your motives have to be right when you walk with God. Uh-huh, you can't have hidden agendas. Uh-huh, if you go feed the hungry, it can't be because you want to be on TV. That doesn't work with God. You need to feel the hungry because they're hungry, and I feel you. I am empathetic to your call. uh Uh-huh. I can't tell you you look cute in that dress, and when you walk off, I think, good God, need, she'll need never wear that again. <laughs> that doesn't work with God. I had to, my motives have to be right. Creating me, Lord, a clean heart. And renew a right spirit in me. You have to walk with God with a clean heart. Amen. I have to sometimes redirect. My change involved redirecting my thoughts. Sometimes. You ever had a crazy thought just drop in your mind? Sometimes some stuff you go, where did that come from? Just craziness. But with, with God... You have to redirect your thoughts and redirect them through the word. You have to immerse yourself in the word so that you know uh, when you get angry with somebody and you're really ready to tell them off so that you can redirect that thought and say, follow peace with all men. Holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. You have to redirect those thoughts that drop into your mind. When you've seen that other woman husband and he look, really looked fine, you have to redirect that thought real quick. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm with this one right here. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. I had to learn, it's just a real world hymn, <laughs> to redirect the impulses of my flesh. Yeah. I remember in the old church they used to say, this old dirty flesh, ain't nothing good in your flesh. And I used to say, what's no wrong with my flesh? I don't understand. I didn't understand. I was still on milk. But here's what I know, your body will take you off the cliff. Most of what's wrong with us is because our body is driving us in a direction. Your spirit want to go with God, but your body says, I want to go over here. I want to eat too much. I want to drink too much. I want to do too much. That's your flesh talking. And sometimes you just have to redirect your flesh into the right uh, direction because the scripture tells us that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. In whose temple he dwells, I need to take care of it. I need to keep my health right. I need to eat the right thing, do the right thing, as much as I possibly can. And his grace is going to meet me at the point of my need. My growth, I had to become open-minded. I had to become willing to wait. I had to learn new ways of thinking. As you learn the word, if you're a new Christian, and new walking with God, as you learn the word, you start thinking with the word. I think with the word now, most of the time, I've listened to it so much until the answer just drops in my head. It comes from the word. I'm thinking bad thoughts. It'll tell me whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, that's what you need to be thinking about. Let that thought go. Replace it with this thought. Amen? Amen. I had to immerse myself and learn new principles for my life. And I had to put my new life together piece by piece. It doesn't come all at once. It's one piece at a time. If you try to do it all at once, sometimes it can overwhelm you. But you can change, and you can have the power to change as long as you believe. And the last thing was my passion. I had to make a clear, intentional decision. That no matter what the fallout was, no matter who I had to leave behind, no matter who was going to look at me funny and think I'm all of that, that I had to endure that to make this change, to walk with the God who could bring an eternal, everlasting change in my life. Amen? Amen? Amen. Right now today, under the sound of my voice, If you're that one that you have not made Jesus Lord of your life, I'm here to tell you it's the best change you could ever make. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. His grace is going to give you the power to make the changes. You don't have to fix it and then come. Just come. Just like you are. Just because he loves you so that he sent his son to die for your sin. Right now with every head bowed and every eye closed for the right of privacy. If you're in the house today and you want to accept this Jesus that I'm talking about, can I see your hand? Could you just raise it and put it? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, sister. I see you. Put your hand down. Thank you. I see you over there. Put your hand down. Everybody with your heads up. Repeat with me, with my sisters. Father... I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Strengthen me today where I need to be strengthened. Change me, Lord, where I need to change. I surrender all to you now in the name of Jesus. Everybody say, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord.